we would discuss what, what are you going to do when you get your money, right? Oh, I'm gonna do this. Oh, I'm gonna go to France. And I, mine was, I'm gonna get a, a like a real proper tour bus, right? Like like a rock star tour bus. I'm gonna put all my best friends in it, and I'm gonna drive all over the whole continent of Canada, all the way down into South America, all over the United States. I'm gonna find the best place to live, and then I'm gonna build a mansion there, and all my friends are gonna come and live there. And that's what I did. Except I didn't win the fucking lottery, man. I just did. I I realized like I'll just do it. Yeah. Just do it. Okay, no tour bus. Okay, no million dollars. Okay, but I am going to drive all over, find the coolest place I can find, and I'm going to fucking live there, and I'm going to make art. Sounds like your I, life right now, right? <laughs> and that's what I did. Welcome back to Chris Dyer's Creative Friends, the super awesome podcast, YouTube amazingness. Ah, that me, your artist friend Chris Dyer, does along his super beautiful artist friends. Well, this week I'm in Boulder, Colorado. I'm chilling with some of my favorite people and bestest friends in the visionary art community, Morgan and Randall. Morgan was the last episode. I hope you watched it. And in this episode, I'm talking to Randall Roberts, internationally recognized visionary artist. Yes, sir. Woo! Hey, all right. Fuck yeah. Thank, you, nice for having, thank yeah. you for having me over to your home. It's wonderful to have you here, my friend. Thanks. Are you we Iron Man? You. Am I Iron Man? <laughs> no, 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 we're not. What's yeah. up with this crazy, like, pimp-ass cliffside? House well, it, um, we, we, got a, we got a cool place uh, with some help and uh, with the support of our, our fans. We, uh, we did a huge sale before we moved in here and we got a really great place that needed a lot of work. So, so it's, uh, it will be face value after another several years of investment. A couple so, decades. Yeah, but we knew... Um, the location was was perfect, and uh, Morgan searched for nearly four years. Uh, the, the the housing uh, market around here is um, uh, pretty fierce, and I'm just a poor blue collar kid. You know, like I'm not like <laughs> uh, a real real estate savvy. This is all new to me. I'm and, under the uh, impression that your art career is blossoming and exploding to the point. <laughs> where you can manifest such abundance as we are right now, even though our life's kind of at risk right now on this, <laughs> on this patio. <laughs> yeah, I think like that's part of it, right? Like I, I try to be a good person, and I'm very, I've, I've spent a lot of effort being um, friendly and loving, and uh, I think that stuff after twenty fucking years pays off in like other sideways uh whereas i meet investors and all this stuff um i'm by no means uh blue ticket <laughs> artist but um we were able through a series of positive events to to acquire this property 
and we hope to uh, take it all the way and hope and hopefully have uh, retreats and stuff here eventually. Um, but like I said, it, it needs a, a, a lot of work and a lot of that Morgan and I are doing ourselves. Beautiful, man. So, yeah. Well, I'm happy for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Randall, cool. do you remember where we met or like how we got to know about each other? I remember where we met in person. That was Rootwire 2012. Uh, shout out Papadocio. Uh, and before that, we talked online uh, quite a bit. And I was your fan. But I was we, your fan. Yeah. But <laughs> we knew you. And I was telling everybody, like, there's this dude in New York who also does cartoony, visionary art. And he's really sick, but nobody knows him. I was telling people, like, get him in your festivals and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. I started painting uh, seriously, um, I guess, 2000. 2000. And then my art started becoming oh, pretty okay to look at around 2004, 2005. And around that time, I reached out to all my favorite artists. Um, <clears throat> I wrote emails just to everybody. Uh, now, I lived near the artist Alex Gray and his wife, and I hung out with them, uh, and they're great. Uh, they were very encouraging. But then as I sort of like was getting really into making art, and and also casting a net for my for a community i was like hey i want to be your friend i want to know what you know so i wrote a bunch of emails uh to maybe maybe 50 artists and about five of you wrote back and you were one of them and you wrote back the longest reply because i wrote to you and i said hey you have an art career um i i would really like an art career can you give me any pointers uh i'd like to be your friend and you said, oh, hell yeah. And you just come out with your documentary, too. Uh, uh, positive Creations. Positive Creations, yeah. And that, particularly your time in Hawaii, for some reason, really inspired me. Because I'd gone on a road trip and, and, and all that. So I really felt called to you. And uh, you were you friends with John O'Hia at the time? Uh, you guys were watching yeah, I had just met him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and now we've been friends for 15, 16 years. It's crazy. Uh, but yeah, I, I was always so appreciative that you wrote me back so much and just completely open with, uh, oh, well, get your prints from here and write to a gallery there. And, and, and uh, if you ever need anything, you know, I'm here for you. And I, I adopted that as now as a uh, uh, working artist, I adopt that for, for young artists that contact me. I try to be open like that and reach out. Right. And, uh, you got to help out area you can if you got the time at least. Yeah, if you got the time. At least, uh, yeah, I mean, so many people didn't respond. Um, uh, but at that time that you hit me up, there was a lot less visionary artists. Now there's like a million. By the time you hit me up, that was like... Yeah, you were... Late, like early 2010s, and, yeah. and I saw the quality of your work, and I was like, oh, hell yeah. Another, like, there was, uh, other than that, there was no cartoony visionary artist. I was kind of the only one, yeah. so I was excited to see another cartoony visionary artist but yeah. in your own style. I didn't feel threatened or feel like you come barge in and like take that role. I was like, wow, like another dude I can resonate with. Yeah. So happy to, to help. You yeah. Know? It's weird looking back on that scene, right? It's like the hundredth monkey theory kind of took place. Like who knows where, why everyone, maybe it took that long for Terrence McKenna's speeches to permeate and get down into the soil of all the artists. I don't know. But yeah, it seems like it was you and, a handful of others 
There were elders like Robert Venosa and Alex Gray doing their thing, Dali to some extent, Maddie Clarwine, you know. But very few. But then, yeah, your peers were like uh, Carrie and Luke, and, and but there was a handful, just a handful. And right. then all of a sudden there's 200 of us uh, uh, it, en masse. And, right. Um, I think that Rootwire yeah. was a big shift. So before Rootwire 2012, the visionary community was like, 20 to 30, including Alex and Robert Venosa and those other people, people of our age that are in there, like, you know, 40s by now. This is also the rise of the Internet was also taking place at the same time. So there may have been pockets of, of psychedelic and visionary artists. I mean, I'm sure there were. Um, there were pockets, but they weren't necessarily uh, given an advertisement for a festival to all go, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And and that yeah, that's well, there why were no events. Like where, where yeah. I finally figured out there was a visionary scene was in like 2004 when I or 2003 when I found Arrowid Vaults. Yeah, Arrowid. Yeah, yeah. Right. It was like a web page that like did all these, you know, all about drugs. Their fucking art page though was the shit. Right. It was there it was that and uh John Bine in uh, Australia had Bine art. All oh, right. Was he that old? Like that? Yeah, they were simultaneous, but those were the only two places oh, cool. to find. But the junkie in art scene is a little bit darker. It's a sure. different. It's a different kind of no, visionary but art. Back then, yeah, yeah, he's doing his own thing for sure. Yeah. He's worried about John, but the, <laughs> but the, um, but I remember, you know, again, this is pre Facebook, pre. Uh, Right, it's like 2003. I had a web page. It was a jail city situation where like <laughs> yeah. the images are like big, this small because you just want to fucking like you know get them uploaded because it's like this yeah. thing. I had a blog in 2002 before I had paintings, and I said this is Randall Roberts' art. You know, stay tuned. And then I got into like blogging. You know, like when you had to do it all yourself, uh, HTML. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, I wrote about how I wanted to be an artist a lot for like years <laughs> and I didn't have much artwork. I had, I had a lot of pencil drawings. Yeah, you know, a lot of artists start out drawing on the back of their notebook, right. you know, uh, oh, so yeah. that was me. And I, I posted all those and, and then I finally bit the bullet and, and started making paintings. And then after that, you, you like, started like being an artist quite late, right? Yes, sir. Like what age? I made my first painting. I started my first painting when I was 29. And I finished it when I was 31. And at 31, I started painting constantly. Uh, so, so, but yeah, I, um, I did always like to draw, though. And I, I originally wanted to make, uh, like, what I was doing with my life in my 20s was kind of playing video games. Like, that, as a lot of people do, you know, they're, they're very enticing and they're cool. And I didn't really have the, the, the educational background. Uh, the, the competition to be a monster designer for video games is totally insane. Like, right. you know, you have to have a computer science degree and an art degree and all. And I really wanted to get this job at this particular company and I was gunning for it. And, um, and in the effort of trying to design uh, video game monsters in on my own. I was in my bedroom, like I'm doing. I'm designing video game monsters, and I'm like, oh, I should paint one of these because the painting will look cooler. Right. And then as soon as I started painting, painting like swept me away, and it had its own plans. And, oh, and that's where, and then you know, I was also starting to trip a lot at the time, and mm. 
It's weird, yeah, yeah. It's the same with me. I wanted to be yeah. an animator before I wanted to be a fine artist, yeah. but the animation school didn't, wouldn't let me in. So I had to go to fine art school to become good enough to then get into the animation school. And then... And for two years, they wouldn't let me in. And then I just kept on going with fine art. I was like, actually, I can say a lot more with a painting than by doing these uh, no, animations for other people. Yeah, it gets in your soul. It's like... Um and that's a wonderful like metaphor for for the rest of life. It's so, it's really cool. Like, um, what is uh, Paulo Coelho in The Alchemist? He says, "The only decision you make is to jump in the river." So that's the decision you make. I'm going to jump in the river, but then the river takes you. Mm. And whatever shore you wash up on isn't so much your choice. But you did make the decision to jump. Right. And. Um, and that's hard for a lot of people. And I'm so lucky that I was stupid enough and brave enough mm -hmm. and, 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 and naive enough to jump in the river. And uh, yeah, I still romanticize making video game monsters. I wish I could. I, I love all the people involved in, in, those, in that line of work. I wish I could work for Dungeons and Dragons or Heavy Metal Magazine. That was my shit back then. But once I started painting, my own voice rose up from the from the grave and and just became my whole life you know beautiful yeah so you mostly learned how to paint from these workshops you were doing at omega institute and cosm i think you were working at omega institute right or volunteering um yeah there's a timeline i uh i worked at a, a factory at ibm for all, most of my 20s okay and then for vacation on a whim I was really interested in art like I said and there was this art workshop at Omega with mm -hmm. Alex and Allison Gray okay and uh, it was a week-long thing I went there for I used my vacation <laughs> and I went there and when I got out of that class I was like okay I'd never been around a hundred artists before if you know what I mean. Like I was the weirdo in my friend group that liked mm. to draw. So I was the artist. But when you go and there's a community of all these crazy people who make art, I was so blown away by that. I really pretty much left that workshop and said, that, okay, that's it. I'm going to make art. Like, and so there was a little bit of, um, um, and I was, I was, I was, you know, I was pretty good by the, I could, I could draw what I wanted to draw, you know what yeah. I mean? But I didn't have a voice or anything. So mm. I left the workshop, I went to my job and I said, uh, tell me how I can cash out my 401k. Cause I think I'm going to go now and do my life. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and this is a, that was like late twenties, right? That was at 30 years old. 30 years old. At 30 years old. I, I'd been struck by a several different synchronicities and just, um, I woke up. I woke up to the fact that uh, uh, this is your only one life. It's sort of like, um, it's like, I, <laughs> I don't know. I was sitting at a, a stoplight one time and this Red Hot Chili Peppers song came on. And um, the line is, uh, this life is more than just a read-through. Mm -hmm. A read-through, as you know, is when they are going to do a movie, they sit down with the script and they pretend uh, and get the voices right and everything. Um, this isn't a read-through. This is the fucking movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it hit me, and it was right around the time, and I was like, oh, if I want, if I want to do something with my life, 
now, I should do it now instead of um, practice for something that will never happen. Yeah, or 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 these, you know, there's there's plenty of um, beautiful people who never uh, walk out to the shoreline of their own soul. You know, I yeah. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it, it was it's, also it's almost like the the song "Time" by Pink Floyd, also. <laughs> That, how, you know, so? like like ten years have passed you by, mm. and you've never really like become free. I can't remember the specific lyrics. Yeah, or but. that fucking, uh, uh, you know, the the, the uh, oh, the song about the guy and his son, you know, and then he comes back from graduation, and then he has the kid, and, and then he's old, and like, mm. uh, <laughs> I forget the name of the song. Cat but Stevens. Cat Stevens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sentiment struck me like a bolt of lightning, and then was invigorated by meeting all these artists and I was like okay um and I was I was terrified right. you know what I mean oh, like yeah. intimidating yeah I mean I, I I almost literally drove off into the sunset and uh I, I took my 401k money which was only you know eight grand or something uh I don't know what a 401k is but I oh it's just... a, a retirement plan okay. uh set up with a, a good job okay. I had a really good job Nice. For for a you know blue collar guy who grew up in the hood, you know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I I literally sold all my shit. I put a I got a, a a truck, a pickup truck, and I put painting stuff in the back. And I fucking left New York for the first time in my life. I, I'd been to New Jersey. I'd been to Florida one time, but I I always had dreamed like about California, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so, I drove uh, with two paintings, mind you. Two paintings in the back of my truck. Okay. And I just drew. I had a friend living in California, and I was like, hey, man, I'll meet you out there in, 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 in a while. But I wanted to see the country, so I, I drove all the way down the East Coast, all the way through the, um, um, New Orleans and the Southwest, for the first time, mind you, by myself, um, not homeless. I was staying at hostels and, and motels and things. I was, you know, burning through this. Money. You had your 401k. Yeah, no, I wasn't. wasn't I wasn't uh, traveling uh, like a, a gutter punk. You know, I, I was serious about it. And I would go to the hostels and I would draw in the main room and meet different people from Europe and things. Like it was just an incredible. It was true traveling for the first time. Yeah, for, and I'd never done anything like that in my life. And by the time I'd gotten into the Southwest, I, my head was like exploding, man. I was like. You know, I, I fell in love with my life, mm -hmm. and art was the vehicle. And before that, I was just going through, I was just going to stay where I grew up, and I, I don't know. Um, but there's also, you know, if, you, if you're out traveling and you don't know where you're going to be tomorrow, there's an intense anxiety that goes along with that, too. You know, it was pretty, it was intense. It was in, so it, in, it took about a year. And then I got to California, and one of my best friends that I grew up with uh, was living in Oakland. And I uh, was pretty tired by then and pretty worn out. And I had maybe 20 paintings now. Mm -hmm. And I moved in with him and fell in love with Oakland. Like, after seeing the whole country, I was like, oh, man, Oakland is like, it's got everything. that I right. The Southwest is awesome. New Orleans is awesome. Texas is awesome. You know what I mean? But, but Oakland is its own thing. And I, um, I was going to say, um, when I worked at the factory job, we would, um, 
as people do. Uh, I was really good friends with all the people I worked with. We become a family of sorts, right? And so, like, when the Powerball lottery would get really big, we would all put in money, right? You know, and then we buy like 300 tickets, and everyone would get a Xerox, and we all go, oh. And, and on our lunch breaks, we would discuss what what are you going to do when you get your money, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm gonna do this. Oh, I'm gonna go to France. And I, mine was. Um, I'm going to get a, a, like a real proper tour bus, right? Like, like a rock star tour bus. I'm going to put all my best friends in it and I'm going to drive all over the whole continent of Canada, all the way down into South America, all over the United States. I'm going to find the best place to live and then I'm going to build a mansion there and all my friends are going to come and live there. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did, except I didn't win the fucking lottery, man. I just mm -hmm. did. I, I realized like, I'll just do it. Yes. Just do it. Right. Okay, no tour bus. Okay. No million dollars, okay, but I am going to drive all over, find the coolest place I can find, and I'm going to fucking live there, and I'm going to make art. Sounds like your and, life right now, right? <laughs> and that's what I did. Yeah, so uh, I cut to it, and um, and yeah, so for listeners who are like just starting out, I, I have to ride with the caveat that I had a 10-year gap where I ate peanut butter and barely made rent, uh, you know, while I made painting after painting after painting uh, for right. a very long time. A stressful artist life. It, yeah, it was pretty, I had to hustle. And luckily the Bay Area, you can like, in a lot of a lot of situations, just go out on the sidewalk at some parade or something and just sell your art. Um, unlike if you live in the middle of Pennsylvania or something, you, you can't really do that. Maybe you can, I don't know, but I, I, I moved to a big city with a lot of people and a lot of energy, and I was able to just barely make some money. Mm -hmm. And I also uh, went back and forth to the Omega Institute in New York, uh -huh. and I worked there in the summers. Okay. Um, you did workshops with uh, Alex. I did Ray. a workshop every year with Alex and Allison and Robert for, for seven years. I, I was oh. with. Uh, I visited with Robert Venoso and Martina Hoffman, who has become a good friend. Mm -hmm. um, Robert. Uh, uh, passed away right sadly but uh, Martina is one of our best friends nice and yeah Omega is great Omega is I've like, never been it's cool man it's um it's the biggest yoga and meditation retreat center in the country oh wow um, it's I pretty shikishiki right yeah no it's it's pretty it's it can be pretty granola some of the it depends how much money you have you can get a really pimped out designer room uh and or you can just stay in a tent with you know if you they have different pay structures okay, so cool. if you want to take a workshop with uh Thich Nhat Hanh, you can pay um uh, you know two hundred dollars and sleep in a tent and they give you meals or you can pay two thousand dollars and sleep in a pimped room mm. uh, so they get a whole but you know lots of different people come so how was living in Auckland Auckland uh has my heart forever it's for oakland but the i'm also is awesome yeah yeah oakland's um i don't know what it's like now i i don't know uh that time that i was there with those friends and what, those roommates what years? i was there back and forth from 2005 until 2013 oh amazing so that's around the same time i was going to the bay like every year yeah. More San Francisco than Oakland, but yeah. uh, that, that was like the cool time. And I feel like there was a lot going on there. Well, dubstep music, zone. not that it's my favorite music, but I can get down. And dubstep music, 
also came out. Right. The That's internet, the, as we said, yeah. also blew up at the same time. The skateboard industry was in full effect back then. Burning and just, Man, all this stuff was, the Bay Area was the fucking hub. Right. Weed, the weed industry, uh, which also supported visionary art heavily. Um, right. There was so much going on there all at once. And then you have this whole coffee shop, bar, um, 1960s uh, support. Like, right. It Old was, school hippie. Yeah, it was like a fucking nexus for cool shit. For right. A, right at the right time. And now I think, now, yeah, all of those industries and, and, and areas have uh, moved on so, sort of or sort of expanded or I'm I, I not sure... If you move to the Bay today for your first time, if it'll have the same punch. I don't think so. I went a couple of years yeah. ago and the streets were empty during the day because everybody had taught, like taken their Google buses to the Silicon Valley. Yeah. And, you know, more and more people can't afford to live there. Like, you know, it will always be beautiful and have a good vibe. Like a lot of people are still there, but not like it was back then. Dude. I went back to visit my my beloved roommates. That, like, and the thing is, in Oakland, like your roommates are like your your fucking, you know, mm. probably the same thing in Montreal. Right. Like, you the only way you could live there is you had five, six roommates, and even if you didn't know some of them, you became tight because you're all because right. everyone's from somewhere one. else, and they're all like, oh, you know, uh -huh. um, and then. So one roommate is bartending and you, and, you, and you hook each other up, you know? So I would go live paint at my roommate's bartending gig and then she would come, you know, back and forth, this like family vibe. And then we were friends with everybody on our block and the whole thing. But um, I went back to my, uh, in, in 2015, I went back to my roommate's place at a room where I paid $350 a month was $950 a month. In a oh. three year period, it jumped that much mm -hmm. same fucked up room in the same fucked up neighborhood so that gives you an idea of like how how fucked up it, <laughs> it got like it was just so cool just, that that yeah. everything blew up um well that's the problem with like gentrification you know like it seems yeah. like artists uh you know come to these places that are cheap enough for them to live they make it cool, but then their punishment for making it cool is that then the people with money buy it off and the artists get kicked out to the next spot. In this case, Oakland, from, like from San Francisco to Oakland, and then they make Oakland cool and then they got to go to the next spot and artists just keep on getting run out of all these towns that they actually made hip yeah. and cool. Or well, whatever. Manhattan, Brooklyn, exactly. same movement, same mm -hmm. exact movement. Manhattan was shit in uh, 1969 through 81 and then all these fucking artists blew it up and then now they can't afford it. They moved to Brooklyn. Now Brooklyn you can't afford it, and the whole scene is... Right. It's uh, perhaps some kind of like evolution of ideas taking place. It's the natural progression of things. I don't know. How to stop it, you know? What, what yeah. artists are going to stop being cool and doing their things or beautifying the streets? Like, it's not natural. We want to do those things. And then you're like, oh, should we not do murals because we're going to shoot ourselves on the foot or... But yeah, yeah, that mural you did in Denver, man, that was uh, at New Conscious. At the New Conscious Gallery. That was before like Denver. That was blew before up that, so much. that area. They, they, maybe there was one mural down the street or something. Mm -hmm. Do you have you been there recently? Yeah, I don't particularly like the mural that's there right now. No, I, no, no. But I'm talking about the entire oh, yeah. half a mile radius. It's like street there is art no building heavy. without a, without ten murals on it. Right. And. Um, yeah, maybe it were something like dandelion seeds. You know, 
You blow I wish it my mirror would have stayed there, like as the OG or whatever. But I understand yeah. that street art, you know, just keeps on moving on. I'd love to get that wall back and just crush it again. Yeah, I think it's under new ownership and all that. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, no, it's cool that you know when I painted that mural back in 2013, I believe, just when weed had just been legalized, uh, there wasn't much yeah. happening, and now it's like the super yeah. cool Rhino District that where everything's happening. Yeah. So how I long did you stay yeah. in in Oakland? Um, back to you. How how long you stay in Oakland and then what made you come to Colorado and when? Oh yeah. Okay, so um, like I said, I would I would spend the summers at Omega, the Omega Institute. I would move back to Oakland in the winter and then work on my art and work on my art. And then uh, Omega was really important to me and a lot of my friends were there. So I, I would always go back. And then in 2011, um, I was becoming more of the dining hall manager than an artist. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and I also, I also, uh, I lost, I lost, uh, I had to leave and I knew it. And so I quit in a, uh, a very, a, a very, a terrible way, <laughs> a very terrible way. And, uh, we don't have to go into it, but I, but I left, I burned the bridge of that place, but then that sort of put the fire from the bridge that I burned caught on the back of my pants. And I went back to Oakland and I was like, okay, now I have to live on art. Um, and, um, so I did, I, 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 I and so that, that's kind of like important, like, the dire need to make shit happen. Yeah, hunger, man. If you're if you're literally eating like a jar of peanut butter, and th and that's it, you tend to you either fail and then you have to get a fucking job, or you go like, I'm I'm giving this everything, like right. everything, everything, and I did, and thank God it worked. I was in the right place at the right time, and I I was able to make enough money to to begin my career and that was 2011 so I'd been painting for for six years already mm -hmm. seriously like did uh, you like blow up my obser observation is that you finally got the attention of people when you went to symbiosis 2011 yeah yeah so um yeah oh shout out to my friend Eric who um Bella no 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 this is a patron uh okay. um uh Eric grew up with Matt Groening, the creator of The Simpsons. And he had a little extra money and uh, he's big into ayahuasca and all these things. So he saw the Homer Simpson painting I'd made mm -hmm. and he wrote me an email and he said, you know, I'm going through a divorce. He's just like, I've never seen anything that just speaks to my life so much. He's like, how much do you want for that painting? And I, 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 um, I said a few thousand dollars, six, six thousand dollars. I was like, six thousand dollars would change my life. And but the painting was also like taking off online, and I kind of mm -hmm. knew. I was like, this. How is old a, was the painting at the time? I just made it. Okay. Two thousand. So you you didn't know yeah. how much it would blow up. Really. No, I didn't. But I knew I knew at this point a little bit of worth what art is worth. This is a six foot high painting. It's um, I knew it was pretty good. And then when it went online, people were just like going nuts. Going nuts, and I was like, "This is this is worth a little bit of money." But that, for, mind you, at the time, I was doing coffee shop shows and selling art for two hundred dollars, a hundred dollars. So I had this huge, awesome painting that was like taking off, mm -hmm. um, which was like 
of total um, F, uh, uh, labor of love. I loved The Simpsons. I, I was really, I was, I was tripping often with some really wonderful people. It was the best thing I could make, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I didn't make it for, simply for the uh, star power of Homer, but I made it out of an, an earnest uh, call to the universe. This is, I'm here, baby. You this know? is what I gotta do, yo. Yeah, so anyway. In 2011, uh, my man, um, he, uh, Eric, he, Eric, uh, um, well, yeah, I'll leave his last name out because I mentioned ayahuasca, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, uh, Eric, uh, he gave me the money, $6,000, which was a lot at the time, and I turned around and bought uh, $4,000 worth of uh, prints, and I bought a booth uh, with my, my friend Shady at Symbiosis Pyramid Eclipse. Mm-hmm. And as luck would have it, there was a, a huge storm uh, the night before, and our booth went from the spot it was supposed to be, tucked back behind the cars, to this like corner spot where all of the 10,000 people at the festival had to walk by our booth in order to get to the music. Uh huh. <laughs> so we were literally prime. Prime. And I, I had huge vinyl banners made of my art right there. And uh, I'm getting choked up thinking about it. Um, I didn't know what to expect, but um, everybody. Like, I'd only been to a couple festivals at that time, and, and I went, and I'm like, oh, here's my art. Everyone fucking, like, the love that they showed me uh, broke my heart, and uh, we made all of our money back, and then some. Um, I was able to pay my friends handsomely uh, for working there with me, and we immediately took that money and went to Lightning in a Bottle, and then another one, and another one, and another one. All the while, I'm re uh, reinvesting the money, and... Um, it really, uh, yeah, caught fire. Um, Beautiful. So, in the in the small world of, of festivals. You but know, still, like, the yeah. festival world is what was able to give you a launch. And what I think is cool is that you were doing art and you were in New York and, you mm-hmm. know, you were trying to get it out there, but it might have been happening or not, but you're still getting better and better. But the, by the time you got to California, you had like a body of work. Yeah. Something at least. And my I, voice I, was really starting to come you out. You had a voice and yeah. you had at least ten to fifteen to twenty good paintings that people can be like, Oh shit, I can see what this dude's doing. It's not like I you jumped in the scene like with one painting being like, Okay guys, here I am. You yeah. you came in with like a nice, you know, what well, painted reservoir. in obscurity at least three hours a day for, for, for seven six years right well I like your approach you know because uh, sometimes I find there's like a lot of young artists that don't really get good but they already want to be famous and they already launch themselves out and they might even be successful at uh, making themselves famous and whatnot but the quality of work is not quite there you kind of like held back and by the time you got your exposure you already had good shit going so it kind of like drove you not straight to the top but like pretty much close up there you know, yeah. you, you saved a lot of years from like grinding up, you know. And half of that was luck and location. It's it's weird that I grew up near Alex Gray. You know what I mean? Like I was really lucky to be able to hang out with them all the time. Um, and they were at that time, you know, they just done the Tool albums and shit. They Are you were, a Tool fan? Oh yeah, I was a Tool fan. But I may have discovered them through Tool. No, uh-huh. 
No, no, no. I saw a documentary about Alex Gray on, on PBS. Do you know the... the Alex Gray was on PBS? He was in like 1995 wow. with him when his head was shaved, just for like a few minutes. Interesting. And um, yeah, I had, I had the Sacred Mirrors book uh, a Were long you a time Bill before. Hicks fan also? Absolutely. So you got the yeah. like the like, trilogy there, like Absolutely. Bill Hicks, Bill Hicks, and fucking, Bill Hicks shaped my life. Uh, you know, before I got into meditation or any of the other spiritual stuff that's available to people, uh, Bill Hicks spoke to me the most because I was eating mushrooms with my friends and we were going camping and stuff, and we were having these you know really important experiences. And then you go back to work and who knows what to do with it. But then people like Bill Hicks and Alex did something with it, you know. Bring it out. Bring it out into the world. And, uh, and I was like, I think I can do that. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's what I tried to do. So Alex was a big influence on you at the time. Yeah, he's... Um, I consider him one of my best friends. He's definitely... Um, a unique, fiercely intelligent, very kind, uh, open person. Right. And um, yeah, I uh, I really like him. I love uh, Alex. Yeah, he's he's like else. It, it's weird how he's like super big and famous and like whatnot. I was he hanging out with them when there were fucking five people at the full moon gatherings, man. Like oh no way, you know? yeah, like yeah. in in Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I made Not five, it. maybe ten, twenty, but. I made it to Manhattan, but like there was already like a nice grip of people, and it was getting yeah. pretty intense. Yeah. But no, and he's a, he's a special guy. He's a modern day Dali, I think. I think um, if any of us are going to you know go down in history, if you had to stop it right now, he's they put his name in the books. He's right. something else. He's something else. He's a, he's just his own entity, and um, he's really lucky to hang around with him and uh, model. Not just that, but not just that. They are community builders. Uh, Alex and Allison say, come on over to our house. We're going to have an art party. You know, like, right. who the fuck has art parties? You right, know what I mean? Right, like, right. <laughs> so I would go and then meet all these other artists and at different levels of success and different levels of exposure. But you find your own um, uh, boundaries and voice uh, on that proverbial dance floor of all these artists. And then... Um, and yeah, they were always supportive of me. They were the first people to buy a painting off of me. Um, really? They bought a painting from you? Yeah, they did. It blew Which my one? mind. Which I, one? Um, it's the, uh, the, the Akashic Kiss. It's a red painting of two people kissing. Oh, yeah, it's in the it looks it's like They're yeah. hanging at Cosm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, That's cool. Yeah, I wrote to Allison and said, like, hey, I, I want to sell this painting, but I, I don't know what my paintings are worth. Uh, what do you think I should sell it for? And she's like, well... <laughs> I said I was thinking I was thinking uh, maybe eight hundred dollars, you know, and she and she just wrote back sold, <laughs> bring it over, and I was like, oh cool. So I don't know. They've always uh, strained. Like I said, I've been that really painting's kind of Alex Grayish too. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a moon in it. But and, uh, you know, and yeah. kissing, but interdimensional. Well, there's mind. there's universal subjects like kiss. Like, what are you gonna paint, right? right. You, you, you it was your love, own, you uh, yeah. your own vision of that inner energy of entanglement through kissing and stuff. Yeah, I, at one time I wrote down like what are the ten most important things to paint about? Because like if you're gonna make a painting, make it about the most important thing you can. Making you, out has to be in there. <laughs> yeah, kissing is. is it's huge. an important situation for sure. Yeah, there's nothing. 
some people can pull it off, some artists can pull it off, and some, people, some artists pull off nonsense and that's their whole thing. Some artists pull off, oh, I'm going to leave a garbage can in the middle of a room. Oh. I like art that, I'm, or I'm particularly drawn to art, particularly impressed by art that addresses the most important thing authentically that you can come right. up with. So at one point I made a list. I'm like, I was like, well, tripping really blew me away. Having sex is really amazing. The, the galaxy, you know, what, et cetera, et cetera. And then I just proceeded to make paintings about these things, consciousness itself. Yeah. Um, yeah, some people can pull it off, but if you just paint a dolphin and, and people go, why did you paint the dolphin? And you go, well, dolphins are cool. Yeah, dolphins are cool. Yeah. That, it will sell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll sell. Well, then you're, you're pushing like being a hack and... and and that's why you're a great artist. And that's why I love you. And <laughs> that's why you're one of my best friends, you know? Because you're for real, dude. Cheers, buddy. Pew. Hey. Yeah. Do we have to block the label? <laughs> yeah, why? What? Bodell's going to sue you for, for drinking on my YouTube show? I'm drinking Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Are you going to sue me or are you going to sponsor, sponsor me? Sponsor! Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's get back to your story. So okay, we were yeah, at, uh, what, symbiosis and then festivals and living yeah, in so Oakland, the Cali life. What happened that all of a sudden... How did I get to Colorado? Sorry. Right. What a digression. My, it's my bad. all right, dude. Like, tell me all of your story. So, uh, yeah, so I found a lot of support. I was having a lot of fun. And um, I was still having art shows, local art shows in Oakland and shit but um the coffee shop shows small galleries you know little hip barbershop galleries and shit they have a wonderful art walk in in oakland and i lived in the middle of the art walk i lived my house was there so it was like perfect but um that's sort of scrounging a living and then i was going out to all these different festivals and then i made friends at those festivals and then i started getting invited and then i started getting invited and getting paid to go to festivals so you know, you've had the similar transition. It's, it's like, that was really cool. And then at one of those festivals, our dear friends, Papadocio at Rootwire, I met Morgan Mandala, uh, who was one of the 40 or so artists that they had mm -hmm. um, invited. And um, we were fond of each other, but then, um, you know... Um, it was wrong timing for you. Wrong timing for a, for a romantic relationship. And then... It was the right timing. Uh, my relationship with my, my, my dear ex uh, dissolved and Morgan's relationship was dissolving at the same time. And my father passed away, sadly, and I was in this like crazy spot. So Rootwire 2013, a, a year later, uh, Morgan and I just clicked and we were available. And then we talked on the phone every day for three hours. Um, for months, like five months. Uh, and then it was like, you know, um, you can either move to California and be here in this scene, or she was living here with Crystal Eyes. Uh, there was a lot of artists uh, hanging out here. In the Pyramid House. Yeah, the, at the Pyramid House. Um, there was a lot of cool shit going on here. And so we were kind of, we kind of more or less, more or less, uh, flipped a coin. And I was like, I'll move out with you and let's see, let's give Colorado a try. I didn't know that you came yeah. out here to be closer to Morgan. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, she could have. It's kind of lucky for you because in yeah. Colorado became the next big visionary hub yeah. after Cadillac. I know. Well, maybe it followed me. You know? ah, <laughs> made it happen. <laughs> no, well, like I said, the gentrification of Oakland was happening. Rent was going up. And then there was this like rather personal, if I can be blunt, uh, just a practical matter of my apartment uh, was like two blocks away from my ex's apartment where mm. I used to live. So it was like, Morgan, do you want to come and live with me? And then we'll see my, my ex-partner every day at the coffee shop, or maybe I should get out of the neighborhood. Right. <laughs> and then at the same time, rent was going up and all these things were happening. And it, it, uh, so yeah, I left my darling uh, uh, okay. Bay Area, which I, 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 the sunset over the Golden Gate Bridge and, and all of that will always be part of me. But um, I also, um, the city's rough, you know? You get fucked up, your car gets broken into. It's dangerous. It was more dangerous back then, too, right? All the time. Yeah, yeah. I was lucky to get out unscathed. But, um, you know, and you're cool in your neighborhood. It's just when you, when you end up in a neighborhood that's not yours after hours, like, you're, you're, you gotta watch it in Oakland. And then in Boulder, um, you gotta watch out for bears, you know, but they're not like... <laughs> what a difference. I feel like, yeah, I was sort of ready for a sort of, like, re retirement in my own sphere of life. Like, um... Not retirement, but change. Not retirement, but change. Yeah, it's calm things down a little bit. Right. Oakland is, and San Francisco are fucking rad, you know? Right. But it's hustle, but bustle. But it's hustle. You yeah, gotta it's a whole thing. keep up a rhythm. And um, here it's... um. Um, way more relaxed. There's mountain time, you know, everybody's, it's uh, similar to Hawaii, you know, ah, if you don't get to it today, you'll get to it tomorrow. Grow a beard and, you know, relax. Also mountain people, neighbors here, because of fires and floods and all these things, they tend to be more outreaching and friendly in general. We keep to our own business, but yeah, sorry if I'm going a little long. I, I, I'm feeling good. Just no, no, going. I love yeah. your story. Like, it's mm. easy. I'm, I'm not even looking at my questions anymore. I'm just letting you roll and tell the, the beautiful story of your artistic path, which is very interesting and inspiring. But basically, you fell in love with, Ro, uh, with Morgan. Yeah. And you moved to, to Boulder. And yeah. you and lived then, in the Pyramid House with all these other awesome visionary artists. This is like what, around 2013? 13, 14, yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like when visionary art was starting to rise really up Really find more. its home, I think, right. even. Like going to festivals for what, some 50, 100 of us is our job at that point. As opposed to 2005 where it's like, oh, where do I sell my art? You know, like, right. uh, by, by 2014, things are rolling. Like we're... We're a staple. Uh, and again, one more shout out to Docio. Rootwire's photo photography of that light, that was the only time I'd ever seen anything like that. Well, that picture where it's all the canvases and then my murals at the top. Yeah. And then 80 the, live painters and, and then the band small, you know? Right. Um, that's, a, that's a great one. They had that image, I, I truly believe. You can't do that anymore. Or yeah. You can do it, but it wouldn't be as special as time when everybody's just kind of you like, we're trying out this thing and see what happens. Like all the artists there were kind of like new. It was like a, I find like, say like 
visionary art is as, as old as humanity itself. There's many stages and there's classical visionary art, but in yeah. this this you know little bubble visionary art that we live here in South in, in North America, sorry, um, you got Alex Gray, or Venosa, Matt Clark Wayne as the elders. Then there's that next generation, which is like, you know, Carrie Thompson, Luke Brown, Amanda Sage, myself, Roman, mm -hmm. uh, you know. And then Rootwire kind of like brought the next generation, which are like five to ten years younger, which was like Morgan and Della yeah. and uh, uh, Emily. Uh, yeah, countless. I mean, they, yes. they invited something like... 80 artists and all they, those artists are kind yeah. of big right now or, <laughs> yeah, or pretty yeah. big like you yeah. know mr melty yeah. etc uh, but that's when they were just coming out and i was like holy shit like i didn't even know there was that many other visionary artists but it was just a different gener. it was kind of like a introduction to a new generation and it was their springboard to kind of launch i think in that festival the elders were just amanda roman and me yeah. doing a collab on stage no i did the collab with them but that was strange because um we had just hooked Amanda up with the Greys, and so there was this like, uh, tit, uh, I'll scratch your back kind of thing. I was also becoming really good friends with Anthony, uh, the singer of Papadocio. So they were like, okay, there's this thing, uh, this mural. You had your giant right, mural I, on the left. I think I'm then, confusing the, yeah. the next root wire. Right. But yes, I was yeah. painting on stage with you guys, but I had my own kind of like spray painting yeah. I was doing. And you guys had... But uh, that first one, yeah, we went up there. I was out of place. I was like with Amanda and Roman, and I was like, why am I here? Uh, you know, I was really it's because like... because you're old enough, you know? And you've yeah. actually been doing the work, but in the underground. Yeah. As I said, when you came out, you got bumped up to the top quite quick. Right. Uh, even right. though you weren't in the scene for that long. But because of your quality of art. And the quality of art should be what speaks, not like who you know or yeah. whatever, you know? I, also, I do attribute some of it to being, um, <laughs> whether it's a psychological f shortfalling where I like have to manipulate people to love me or, or whether I'm genuinely charismatic. And I, I do really care about people. And I, I made a, as much effort into making friends um, and having an open heart Dude, you're just a nice like, guy. I don't think you're trying to convince anybody to like Yeah, no, you're no, just, yeah. You're, you're I, just like very nice, charismatic, open-hearted dude. Yeah, I try to uh, make everything good. And, and uh, some of that was like helping too, um, you know, uh, to, to inadvertently uh, help me along. And, and yeah, before I knew it, I was getting invited to all kinds of stuff uh, because I try to be friendly i don't know i, I knew artists but, but still friendly know. people a lot of people can be friendly or even pretend to be friendly yeah you were nice there's a vibe that you know who's authentic and who's real and also who's putting down the work to do some quality artwork that yeah. you are you know you you have done and you still are doing so don't put yourself down too much there but anyways, let's yeah. move on. It's with hard to know yourself from the outside. Exactly. I don't really know what's going on. I, 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 but that was cool that I got invited to paint with those two. And, um, and uh, yeah, it was... That uh, painting actually ended up being a mess. It, no matter oh, who yeah. painted it. Yeah, be, well, be, at, when we got off stage, I, I remember I, I took a lot of acid that night, oh too. God. And I was like... And it was a full moon. And I was just like... It was the first, I was on stage in front of 4,000 people. I've never had anything like that happen. And I, I was just barely 
<laughs> I was hanging on to the canvas and painting. Are you like on stage in front of thousands <laughs> of people know. painting with these people you respected on too much acid? <laughs> yeah, oh my God, crazy. dude. And we were backstage headbanging to the music. I don't know if you remember that. But anyway. I was stoked. Like the picture yeah. of me doing like spray painting that thing with like a crowd of people behind me. That was the first time I was like, oh my God, I feel like a rock star with fucking Papadocio. Yeah playing such a good set i oh, still yeah. got that live set and i listen to you like wow i can't believe i live i listened to, to it on one. youtube recently i went okay. back and i was like oh god damn it man. was a really good vibe yeah I yeah mean. they really brought it they brought it yeah that, and, that was um, a good festival yeah and then then so i you know then i have this photo of me with thousands of people behind that's that's really important um and, and it feels like an accident at the time. Or, you know, you kind of know your shit. You, you had every right to be up there making that mural. But then you get this sort of, like, um, uh, you know, this, this, this emblem of what you're doing. And for some reason that just adds to your clout and, and sort of opens more doors. And, but it was, the thing with the art career is almost like you kind of got... You don't have to, but it helps if you prove how much other people like your art so then more people give you opportunities yeah and i guess like if you had that picture of you painting in front of thousands that kind of showed other festivals like oh shit this guy's beloved let's give him a chance too yeah the more you succeed the more success comes to you yeah 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 and then you and then you start you know you stop getting nervous um being on stage is like you know um it's okay, you calm down, and then you can really work. You know, and you have fun. And you start yeah, dancing yeah. and shit. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that culminated. When, back at, uh, when I was eating mushrooms with my friends in the woods, uh, Spangle, the music Spangle, Simon Posford and Roger Ram, was the theme song of my spiritual life. I was like, oh, I love these guys so much. And like every uh, naive fan, thought we might be friends and I thought uh, I might meet them someday but it, you think this about actors and you know what I mean you're like oh I, I, I get them so much I, I bet we would be friends right but we eventually became friends <laughs> with them and, and painted on stage with with, with Spangle and um, that was awesome like when was that that was at Red Rocks uh, no, here in Denver uh, at the Fillmore, okay. and then again in Australia, mm. thanks to the wonderful uh, team at Rainbow Serpent Festival, they they hooked us up, and that was a uh, a cool thirty thousand crowd, <laughs> and that was a bit much to to. It was, I almost want to say you by yourself or with Morgan. More, with Morgan, but I almost want to say something. Um, if not snapped, something clicked inside me where that was the, I realized that was the only thing I had ever really wanted out of this art game was to meet my heroes and then do this epic thing. And Create then, with yeah. the creators that inspire you to start creating to start with. Yeah. But th there was a bit of a, a personal dip after that because I was like, oh, well, I, I you did achieved it. your goal. I, I should have shot a little. High. So the last few years have been now okay, so what do you want? What do you really want? Where are you going, you know? And um, that turns out to be more kind of subtle relationship between me and art, which I wouldn't necessarily expect. I would think maybe, oh, go shoot for the stars. But I, I'm more... Um, it's become more intimate, my relationship with art. I 
don't give as much of a fuck about the art, uh, mm -hmm. what people think of it. And mm -hmm. um, you're just doing your thing, doing my thing. Yeah, it's hard to explain. I, I don't even know what I'm doing, but uh, uh, um, my trajectory went from out to sort of in. Right. Uh, and more now, so satisfied. Yeah. Well, uh, my pursuit of art now is not to be um, accepted by the outside world, but for me to accept art and my own life and mortality. It's, it's getting... Art is a wonderful boat to get in and go out into the ocean in. Right. You find yourself drinking more during COVID? Have I been drinking more from COVID? Yeah. In Peru, yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean... Like, in Peru, like, you're we down. were locked down, and my dad just had, like, wine and champagne. Yeah. And we weren't drunk, like, every day, but at least once or twice a week. And that kind of got me on a roll that once I went back home to Montreal, and I was by myself, and I went through, like, the the breakup with Ariani and the engagement and I was kind of like a lonely and sad. I would just fucking like go to the park and drink a six pack by myself yeah. as I was painting once or twice a week. Nothing like out of control alcoholic mode, but definitely more than before where I would never drink like I didn't like I, I was over that. I don't know. And uh, well, I think us like millions of other people. Uh, yeah, found a lot of comfort in in, in sedating ourselves yeah yeah i mean you're stuck on the internet you're just home uh <laughs> have you drunk in more during covid yes absolutely i went from <laughs> uh you know a six-pack on the weekend to it's a thing having a uh <laughs> an unending supply of beer in the refrigerator so that you know it also goes with when you were living in the mountains um yeah, you don't just grab a baguette and tomato at the supermarket. You, um, you go down and uh, get supplies right. when you live in the mountains. So mm -hmm. a lot of so that. So you grab a lot so, of alcohol. Yeah, so during COVID, we, yeah, we were going. We, we also got 50 rolls of toilet paper and a huge bag of rice. And, and you're like, oh, well, we should get three cases of beer so, because we're doing a run. You're one of those toilet and paper then, people, huh? We need all the toilet paper because we, we're, we live yeah. in the mountains. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, it's under control. It's nothing like too crazy. I've really enjoyed during COVID. I, um, I have some drinks and then I'll go live on Instagram and uh, draw or paint and and really try i started like because i was kind of loose and uh just lonely uh start talking to people uh on on the live and um that's some cool connections man people are are great like are, are... I, I like getting a little bit drunk as long as it doesn't like take over my life mm -hmm. and become the source of my happiness letting a little bit the vibe yeah. out there I think it's fine. It's about like that middle ground where I can just have a little bit of fun. Like right now we got a buzz on. It's cool. Yeah. We're still like present enough to have this conversation and make it a fun one for our viewers. Um, yeah. But not like get fucking like, hey, motherfucker, and say a bunch of bullshit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, steer clear of uh, any hard liquor. Mm -hmm. I have a friend um, who's, who is only, oh, sorry. Yeah. I have a friend who's only... I don't know, thir 33 years old, uh -huh. who um, was drinking like a bottle of Jameson every day, and then he, he died. He, he passed oh, yeah. away. 
Uh, yeah, it's not healthy. After about a month of doing that, yeah. So a month. Yeah, it wasn't long. It was two okay. months maybe. Oh. But um, yeah, your body can't handle uh, that kind it's of hard toxin. Liquor. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a like everything else. It's a sticky relationship with alcohol. Like uh, you want to have fun with your life. Same thing for bacon. Same thing for sugar. Same thing for traveling. For sex. For anything. Like too much of anything. Too much. Yeah. Um, it's no good. But yeah, this year has been unprecedented. Right. It was a tricky year and a hard year. And sometimes you just got to kind of like find ways to chill out the situation because, you know, like yeah. we're fragile human beings and we want to stay to some degree of happiness. Like when that all that shit happened to me a couple of months ago between my sham, my former shaman and my former student, I was fucking depressed. And I don't think I could have done it without alcohol. I was getting drunk yeah. almost every day just because the pain was so hard that I needed to at least take a break from the pain. Give me like three, four hours of just like laying in the sun drunk with my parents by the swimming pool to not feel pain. And then I'll go and resume and f continue the feelings going through. If not, I was, I'm not going to say I was going to suicide, but whatever feeling makes you suicidal those feelings were going through my body yeah. and I'd say a little bit of beer is kind of like, you know, soften that edge. Well, I'm sorry first for all the people hurt in that situation. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that, man. You're a golden bro. And, and uh, yeah, it's all that, good. Like everything yeah. happens for a reason. I'm grateful for every blessing and growth and healing that happened through it. And yeah. I wish everybody to heal once again that was my whole message along the time forgiveness and healing and just like we all are just trying to get back to god you yeah. know and we make a million mistakes on our path all of us the late recently re late ram das said uh, we're all just walking each other home yeah that's the best quote you know yeah. and we fucking like, step on a million little rocks and sticks <laughs> but yeah, Let's that's the thing trying. about cancel culture, like, you know, leaving the details of that situation out of it. Yeah, uh, there's a million other situations we can talk about, not, so not just situations. mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I, I'm afraid of with that, and I don't really want to speak on it too much because it's just so... Then you'll get canceled. <laughs> yeah, it's so vibrant right now. You like so, cancel culture? You're canceled. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a live wire right now, the whole <laughs> thing. But the, um, there's more nuanced uh, um, relationships with human beings. Uh, and, and like, thank God for podcasts like this. This is the thing. A photograph of you and I doing whatever is, can be construed this and that way, and then everyone can make comments. And da, da, da. A three-hour conversation with you and I, people go, oh, there's nuance. There's ups and downs to this thing. There's human beings on the other end. Um, and I really think, I'm really appreciative for, you know, this, like, uh, 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 flush of podcasts that's happened along with all of the other crazy shit that's gone on. Because there's a communication. They fucking, hold, they're holding it. Joe Rogan's holding it down on, he's holding the, the, the the train track down right now in a lot of ways i mean you know channeling a certain kind of energy into the mainstream yeah that couldn't happen we need people who are liberal slash conservative 
spitting the truth in long form. Because this idea that what political part, why are politics so popular? Why, you know what I mean? It's, it isn't, uh, politics have become like the Academy Awards. It's this big, shiny uh, thing. Anyway, we're all in a lot of trouble here with social media. Long form conversation is a, a shining hope or at least like uh, at least some sort of uh, 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 probiotic defense against where the world could go. Things, Instagram comments are not the place to have in-depth discussions about uh, how to save the world. Issues. You yeah. can't save the world on an Instagram comment. Can you imagine having an argument with someone where all you did was leave yellow post-it notes back and forth and you never saw their face? Where, like, if you talk to them for 10 minutes, face-to-face, issues fucking squashed, you know? I'm, I'm worried about it, and I don't think... Uh, well, I'm not that worried about it. I think that it's playing itself out. Um, it has spa- to hit a wall MySpace played itself out. Napster played itself out. AOL played itself out. Taking people down on Twitter and Instagram is playing itself out. It has we're to end seeing at some point. Like, I can't see this happening for the rest of humanity. Well, it isn't human existence. It's a, because it's, a, it's just it's random a, people deciding, okay, I'm the judge of what's good and wrong, and I'm throwing it on you. Yeah. And like, I grew up in the 1980s. When someone did something wrong, you, you got your friends and your cousin who's a little bigger, you know, in a car, and you went with a baseball bat and you drove over to their house. And you said, come outside, we have a problem. Right. And you settled it that day. And it, that's not necessarily, I know that's old school. I know that's, that's uh, sort of brutish to say it that way. But it, it ends quick. But yeah. In Peru, there's a festival where one day a year, people fight it out. It's mm. like, today's the day we just all fucking bash each other, but the rest of the year, we're chill. Yeah. And you yeah. know, because we yeah. got our negativity out, and now we're supposed to just be chill and just... I don't know if that's like the most smartest way to go about society, yeah. but you know, and, it's coming. The release of negativity is coming in other ways right now, and yeah. uh, with social media, it seems like it could devastate people's lives almost. Yeah. Well, I do a thing now where I just don't engage. Um, if I engage, it's for the most important stuff. Like uh, a lot of these issues, uh, I want to be careful. And they're well intentioned. No, no, but a lot of stuff um, you, doesn't require your participation or your opinion. Um, and I just, uh, I've been playing around personally with like, especially when I'm jazzed up on something, oh, I want to comment on that. I'm like, what happens, Randall, instead if you close your laptop and go for a 20 minute walk with the dog and um, maybe um, smell some flowers and then come back? have some coffee, and then open the laptop again. Do you still feel that this is... Yeah, because this little screen isn't where your life is happening. Your life is happening out here with the chickadees and the chipmunks and your heart beating. And I think think that's what we were talking about before we took our pee intermission, is that you're not looking for this outer success so much and the approval of the world, but like I'm looking for an internal self-satisfaction through my art. And it's the same with this whole thing of like, am I right? Am I wrong? I'm wherever I'm at in my level of learning about how to go back to source. And you can't let like the million voices of the internet 
tell you that you're good, bad, etc. Who is it? I forget who said it, but like, people are stupid. People like Taylor Swift. People like Arby's. You know what I mean? People are full of shit. They suck. You don't want the fucking <laughs> the consensus from everybody on like what you are doing. And then um, you don't like Taylor Swift. <laughs> I, mean, I wouldn't know what song she plays. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I, none are occurring to me right now. I'm sorry about this microphone. Yeah, it's um, okay. It's, yeah. Microphones happen. Uh, yeah, so, so like, at the end of the day, it, it sounds corny, perhaps, but um, it's about love, and it may sound um, sort of well-worn, but you have to look at yourself in the mirror. And I mean... Quite literally, I hadn't done that in, in years. And um, as I get older, uh, as I move through different changes, I've started uh, again. Instead of simply brushing your teeth, look at your look, make eye contact with yourself in the mirror. And shoot that motherfucker some yeah, love. Yeah, yeah, yes, and and give him some love and give love to the people in your life. But um, that relationship has very little to do with the internet and what's going on on the internet. Right. Um, that, could, that's could, my, my yeah. biggest journey is to not observe myself through the eyes of others who don't even know myself. That was like my biggest journey, like on my whole life, but even in the past few months, it's like, I know who I am. I yeah. know I'm good. Why do I have to observe myself through some stranger that doesn't even know what's inside me? Well, we're very elaborate um, social creatures. We're like, have you ever been around chickens? Enough, but I don't. They all any. they all chew on each other and fuck each other up, and they're they're racist, which is uh, interesting. <laughs> they all the big fluffy white chickens or brown chickens will up the little speckled ones or the big you know whatever in whatever situation they stick with what looks like them yeah yeah and somehow that's the inter and so this is the comparison i want to make and i'm by no i'm not drawing comparisons to race in human society but with chickens they understand what color they are from the reactions for the so all the um all the brown ones and all the all the speckled ones will hang out in their own groups because they learn through the reactions of the other ones what they are um so please divorce all racist uh, uh connections <laughs> to that what i'm saying is human beings um realize we realize who we are through relationship with everyone in our lives and in fact um we do a lot of our thinking outside of our mind which is fucking nuts when you think about it let's say um oh uh, uh hey chris i'm thinking about getting a piercing i'm thinking about getting a piercing on my lip mm -hmm. what do you think about that i don't know if I'm, i should get would that look cool and so i bounce it off of you i bounce it off my mom i bounce it off a good another good friend and then i decide oh i'm going to get the piercing or i'm not going to get the piercing we all do this on every nuanced level of our lives and so in a lot of ways you're living in the minds of all of the people in the sort of carousel around you and it's really difficult to to pinpoint what your actual ideas are what you really think is cool what you really think is right you we have to bounce that off of everyone which opens the door to like be connected, be open, be aware to everybody in your life and then the greater community of the world. 
one love tribe worldwide, baby. Hell yeah! <laughs> you know, like, you don't know who you are without other people. And then we just carelessly hurl stones at, at other people. They're fucking defining you. It's so difficult when someone does a shitty move in traffic to, to go, oh, there I am. It, uh, I get it right one out of a hundred times. Don't let me preach to you because I'm not, I don't, but I aspire to it. And, and I, re I recognize it. The only thing that is true is that we're here all together. We're going to die. Try to be nice to each other. Like there's nothing else going on. Try. Just try. And yeah. we will fail. Yeah. We will yeah. fail because some days you're feeling great, other days you're feeling shitty, and you just don't have control over yourself as much as on the good yeah. days. And well, people who are like serial killers we, and, and child molesters, we need to lock them away because they, they're incapable of interacting with everyone else. But everyone else, you know, some people are going to run over a puppy with their car, or some people, but you have to get a chance to, and this is why cancel culture is so crazy, is like you can't stone a person to death for stealing an apple like if they keep stealing apples okay address it and put them away but if they stole one apple like let's all take a deep breath give them uh, a chance to redeem themselves and then and then we can move on maybe because the goal is that they learn their lesson and they become a better person not to yeah. just remove them from existence and to have a depressed, yeah. shitty rest of human life for a few years. Well, there decades. should be a line where it's like, no, this person needs to be removed. Right. Depends on the uh, crime. And, but that line, I think, is really fucking hot. Yeah, they, they cut someone's head off in the middle of the, of the town. Of the center. bus. Yeah, yeah. Let's remove them and, you know, yeah. keep them over there. Yeah. But... Um, I think underneath that line, we need some nuance and some space. And right, because we all make mistakes. We all got good and bads, and we got to have compassion, understanding, forgiveness yeah. to some degree. Like, even the, the whole prison system is all about, like, are we really making people feeling better by being locked up all these years? Are they going to come out to be good people, or are they just becoming even more criminal by living in that environment and surrounded by other Yeah, prison criminals. is a criminal college, right? Right. <laughs> like, at least in the United States. Not yeah. in Norway, not in many places in Europe. You yeah. know? Uh, we should heal people. That's my belief. I, that, that's, that's what I want to see in the world. I want to see more healing, less traumatizing. Well, that's why I started making art in the first place. was like, what can I do with my life to um, do very little harm, but also not, you know... Some people are drawn to um, moving to the Congo and, and, and doling out soup. Um, I'm not, that's, I wasn't that strong in my 20s. I, I didn't feel strong enough to, but I was like, well, I'm really good at drawing. And then I looked at all the boxes. I'm like, well, I can do it till I'm 100 years old. It's not hurting anyone. Um, I'm in this lineage of kind and smart people since, like you said, since the cave paintings. And... Um, I chose art, and I stand by art, and art has held, held my hand, you know, through it. Totally. And now, it, the, and yeah, you can the, use art to make a lot of people happy. Yeah. You can go to a, a disadvantaged country to paint in a place where there's a lot of separation and make yeah. them happy for your art too. It could be a charity. 
But there's the internet does a thing where it's like, don't you know the paints that you're using are these toxic chemicals and the factories are, and it's like, hey man. <laughs> Everything has a price. Every move, every breath has. Every pleasurable thing. We were talking about this on our hike earlier. Right. You simply being here is more or less an act of violence to nature. At least the 200 million creatures that you wash off your body in the shower every day so you don't get sick. Like, it's, it's a tough sell. Nature is a tough, is a tough situation. We're very lucky to be here. And uh, I think being nice to everyone is it's a good it's a good foundation for trying our best to be good human beings yeah and human beings in general we're in transitioning into a kind of consciousness that helps us understand better what we should do in order to be in better harmony with the consciousness of the planet we live on and i think we will get there but we also got to accept ourselves in the in the stage we're at right now yeah and, and not, you know, yeah, not, this is the first time the whole, the whole globe the is connected for the first time. I mean, starting relatively recently, first it was telephones, but the internet is a whole other ball game. And the internet has made um, has made this Earth one town. So now it, it's just one town. You're just. You, that neighborhood over there, that neighborhood over there, has become the whole globe. And right. um, it may take 20 years, it may take 2,000 years, we will end up being one planet. <laughs> but we're, 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 we're lucky enough and, and maybe um, unlucky enough to, to be part of the very first part of that. So when the mosh pit breaks out at the, <laughs> at the concert, you know, mm. it's like, ah! <laughs> like we're, the whole world is like just together immediately. Um, but yeah, uh, I for one choose art. Yeah, hell yeah. Okay, let me make you some <coughs> art questions now. Yeah, sure. Uh, I can't even remember where we were at in the in the question here. I got all these questions. Oh, well, Morgan, uh, uh, I fell in love you, with... You came... You came <laughs> I didn't just fall in love with Morgan. Morgan and I were very lucky as a couple to be... To recognize, like, holy crap. I've never met anyone that... Well, I don't want to... You resonated with her. We, we just got each other on a... Uh, bizarre level from day one and and we were just like why don't we make art together how many years have been with her now seven more than seven years mm -hmm. yeah beautiful yeah, i hope i years. am that lucky that i'll find uh you know yeah. my artistic partner I'm on the road so lucky i uh morgan is the calmest uh she's so chill yeah she, she's incapable of of arguing she's um, very patient she's very calm and, and, and very sweet so she puts up with all my crazy I tend to be a little manic and she can handle it and mm -hmm. uh, and then on top of that um, we have a lot of the same artistic ideas we have a lot of the same um, uh, goals our, 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 our careers are intertwined intertwined to and the last episode with her she was talking about your collabs and making yeah. art together and just playing and the first time we painted together we were like oh man this is we're done it's over you know what i mean it's over yeah and you, you've you've collabed with a bunch of people mm -hmm. um, including yourself some, yeah 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 we we made a painting together and sometimes it works and sometimes it's it's hard work uh for whatever reason everyone's creative process is so crazy different 
hers and, and mine were peanut butter and jelly. And we were like, okay, well, this is going to work. And then we just fell more and more in love with each other. And uh, the rest is history. We're, we are partners. We Beautiful. Are well, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah so um, I want to talk more about your art. What's your art about, Randall? Um, I know each painting has its own subject matter and then you got your yeah. whole, whole series of eyes and then you got your collabs that are these vortexes of nothingness and everythingness and um, I guess the biggest piece when you say that the, the biggest thing that comes to me that, that's always been there is uh, Mark Twain you know uh, write what you know I just tried to make art that's about the coolest stuff I could come up with when we teach our workshops, I, I tell the young artists, um, so if you, um, like you're cool, right? You're cool. All your friends think you're cool. You think they're cool. You have a, you have a good relationship. So what, what's cool, right? So, so like if you wanted to make a store, let's say you have, you have the opportunity to turn an old gas station into a store and everyone's going to drive by and see it and you get to have stuff in the store. What would you sell in the store? You know? If you chose all of the coolest stuff for, that you could think of, let's say kung fu movies on videotape, uh, transformer toys, uh, uh, um, these really awesome organic hot dogs, uh, and then uh, a couple of skateboards <laughs> in the next place. Skateboards, <laughs> but um, a, a, a hot a, a sort of tapestry of, of random items but they're all the coolest things you sit down and you make your list of these are the hundred coolest things that i can think of that that are real to me and they're mine i i and you're the only person who thinks those hundred things are cool you put those things all into a store you put the sign up open once people start driving into your store and going in they're going to go out to all of their friends and they'll go you'll never believe I went to this, this store's store. got transformers. It's got transformers <laughs> and kung fu movies on videotape. And they had all of these cool things. They had these weird handmade uh, necklaces and pots and all. And so basically, if you follow the script of like, what are the most important things to me? And then put them all in a basket. No one can really deny that basket, I don't think. But you have to authentically go like, seriously, what's the coolest thing? Uh, so you put them all in and... That's been my um, approach to art, I, uh, which is also why my art's so detailed and so, um, it's literally a sort of cornucopia of everything I can think of that's like the best stuff. And some of it is a, a little um, elusive and you'd have to, you know, like, why did he put the hand there or whatever? I'd have to tell you the story. But the overall picture, I guess, is a basket of me giving the best things I could come up with. The things that you love the most. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like that question that you hear in a lot of uh, interviews. What inspires your art? We, we, we hate that question yeah. because it's just so long and complicated, but it's like exactly what you just explained. Yeah. I love so many things and all those things I just want to throw it at my artist's expression. And you sort of run it through a filter too. you like, is this... I, I often paint for my little brother, my, my younger brother. Um, when we were growing up, he could draw really well too. And we, and it, like, and we were also into Dungeons and Dragons and, and music and video games and all these cool things. And uh, even though he was younger than me, he turned me on to LSD uh, when, when I was in my mid-20s, like pretty late in the game. 
anyway, um, often when I make a painting, I'll think of him uh, or even the child version of him. And I'm like, I hope he thinks this is cool. Mm. You know, um, that's a good jump off point for, for an artist. If have someone you love in mind and be like, uh, I'm trying to blow Would their mind. Like I'm that. trying to blow their mind. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. if you can, that's the authentic thread right. into what's fucking real. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? If you're just trying to make stuff, I hope somebody likes this. It's yeah. different than saying. Who's that somebody? Yeah. It's too I many hope. people and you got to do it really for yourself or the yeah. ones that you love. At you have least. to thread your heart into the canvas. Mm. So the needle goes into your heart, mm. the thread comes out into the canvas mm. and then back and forth and back and forth. Hell yeah. And, and, and then you look at it and you go, is this real? Am I bullshitting myself? Am I bullshitting? No, I, I can stand by this. Okay there's 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 the art it's done you know like um and that's how i operate and some paintings are failures and some are good but but i always go by like mm-hmm. i don't know a low-level pursuit of the truth beautiful <laughs> yeah so uh <laughs> tell me a little about our collaboration we there are really good collaboration ones uh i'd say it's one of my favorite collaborations you remember much about the story about how we came together to make this piece that truly embodies visually um, our bromance. Yeah, know? our bromance, baby. Which is what we called it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do remember clearly uh, that whole story that I had made a painting and I had done, you know, we sort of like either consciously or unconsciously steal bits from artists that we like. And I had, uh, we weren't very close at the time, but we had been corresponding. And I had a little element of my painting that I thought was like pushing it. Um, it was just one little part, but it was kind of the uh, central part of the painting. And uh, it was very reminiscent of your stuff. And I was uh, eager to find my own voice and I, and, and I was eager to not step on anybody's toes. And I actually just shot you an email and I was like, yo, man, is this stepping over the line? Like, do you mind this little face? It was a little face looking up in an rapture. ecstatic face. Yeah. And I was like, I bit this off of Chris, but it, I think it's okay because I nestled it in all my own shit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you wrote back and you were like, oh, dude, it's totally fine. Like, like, I love it. Like, that painting's gonna be great and da da da. And then, um, and then you'd done a mural in Boulder when I moved here and uh, it was on a plywood panel attached to a building. Yeah, attached to Kaysass's glass shop. And uh, a vandal had come along Again, we weren't so close. We'd hung out a few times, but, but I didn't really know you as a, like the friend I know now. And a vandal had come along and ripped the... They tried to rip the whole thing down, but they broke it in half by ripping it. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, as a favor, I was like, hey, man, do you want me to like put another board up and paint the other half of this face that broke? And uh, you said, no, nah, I'm coming to Colorado. Why don't we fucking just do a painting of the two faces split down the middle? And I was like, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think I sketched yeah. it as like two dudes giving each other knocks. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And then no, I gave it to you. No, you came in and just blew it out. Like, well, yeah, well yeah. I, I came with the concept of the composition and then I gave it to you and you did it all in your filigree, flowy style. Like you're more loose than me. And yeah. I like that because I'm 
I got my thing, but it's kind of anal sometimes. You're like a machine. You just print your art out. Right. Like, I wish I could paint You like just that. fucking go and flow, and that <laughs> loosened me up. So yeah. a little bit of your vibes got into mine and vice versa. Yeah. And it, it came out like a really beautiful painting that still, every time I post it, people are going nuts about it. It's one of my favorite paintings. I'm very proud of it. Yeah. And, um, I'm happy it still sits in my apartment. I don't care if it didn't sell. If it sells, cool. But... <laughs> I get to look at it, and hey, if you want to borrow it at one point, uh, that's cool too, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's um, yeah, I have I have no problems with that painting. I think it's it's pretty perfect. We also sewed together. We we got Montreal and Colorado right. and um, a little me and a little you, and and then uh, it does point in the center of the canvas up off the canvas the white light shoots up and and i think that's what we're both going for is like to enlightenment illumination yeah. um going trust the trick to enlightenment is not attaining enlightenment but always going toward yeah well that's our it, like you have to have that intention and general direction without being like i gotta be enlightened yeah. because of that like want it's going to get in between actually the letting go of letting happen whatever has to happen for you to become whatever you need to become. You can't force that shit. Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah, we'll see what river. happens. <laughs> well, that's crazy because the new sort of more abstract stuff I'm doing is the same thing. It's the beam of light going up off the canvas, but it's um, obscured under all these flowers and things. But if you look at the structure of the paintings I've been doing, it's the same... Um, yeah, just like going higher, beam of light. Yeah. getting higher. Um, tell me about your relationship with psychedelics. Uh, um, yeah. You're telling me about acid before. Yeah. Um, I waited uh, uh, quite a long time to do psychedelic drugs. I was maybe, I don't know, in my early 20s. Uh, when lo lots of people take it when they're 15, which is, I don't recommend. But I sort of matured a bit, and um, uh, the rave scene was like rising up in New York City, uh, and I was nearby. And so, acid, uh, after a long hiatus from the 70s to the 1990s, you know, it wasn't really around. So, I, I took it, um, as I said, with my friends in the woods, I took a Felix the Cat acid tab with like 15 of my the kids I grew up with, amazing people, everybody, so cool. And we, um, I had a remarkable experience the first time I took acid. Like I, everything in life made sense. And I also had some strange things happen I uh, I got lost in the woods by myself and I couldn't find where we were camping and I would see the flashlights that they, they were playing flashlight tag my friends and I was looking for them and I was looking in the woods but my vision was all uh, mixed up because of the LSD and I looked down at one point lost in the woods and I was standing on a fallen tree about 20 feet in the air. I had walked up this tree, this, this, so this tree had fallen on an angle, and I, in looking around for my friends, I had walked to the very edge of this tree, 
and went like, oh. <laughs> and I realized um, I, did, I didn't die. I could have very well broken my head open on this stream. You could have been one of those dudes on NASA that just jumped off a bridge. <laughs> I know. And so I, I carefully crawled back down. But then I had this very deep sense of like, um, oh, there's, there's, some, there's, a, uh, there's something under the blanket here. There's something going on here. Uh, and it, <laughs> we also, we found a rotting log that night uh, underneath the mud. And it was glowing bright green, like a, like a fluorescent green. And we we're handing out chunks of this log. <laughs> in, uh, and pulling it apart and going. And so my, the main experience of my first acid trip was, wow, I can't believe there's this whole other world and it seems to lend itself to, 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 to psychedelics. There's a, you know what I'm saying? Like, you could find a, a glowing log, I suppose, at night. But I found it the first night. I, the first time I'd ever come across phosphorescent rotting wood was the first night I took LSD. And, um, yeah, I, I was tripping privately with uh, my friends and, uh, at the time uh, pretty frequently. And having these profound experiences that I didn't have any vocabulary for, and then um, when I started, when I when I started crossing art over with those experiences, I was like, oh, I have a voice to talk about these um, really intense experiences, and and uh, I, yeah, I started talking about the epiphanies and things that would happen to me in these situations, mm -hmm. and then. Um, I have a, a really great friend. We have a really great mutual friend, actually, who um, who first gave me the uh, the book Archaic Revival by Terence McKenna, and uh, he said, "Here, read this book." Who, John? Yeah. <laughs> and I read the whole book, cover to cover. Was blown away by the whole culture that Terence was in and his whole adventure with his brother in, in South America. Um, also, I was drawn to his articulation and and um, just the, you know. Uh, Terrence is amazing. Yeah, Terrence is amazing. Hmm. Um, and so then, months later, the same friend said, um, so would you like to try DMT? Like, I have some. And uh, I'd taken uh, mushrooms and acid some, I don't know, 40 times before that. But um, DMT is this other, you know, thing. And, and uh, <laughs> This other thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, well, it's, one hit of DMT is like instantly you're on mushrooms and then it goes away in five minutes. But four or five hits of DMT has a, an entirely different uh, character to it. And you... Um, have you done it like over and over and over? Yeah, so I did it several times, but I didn't have a breakthrough experience. I was just sit by the trees and, and, and watch them melt. And I was like, oh, this is great. Oh, interesting. And so after a while, though, my, my friend had come in and said, like, I don't think you're having the full-on situation. Experience. Come over to my house on Tuesday, uh, and we'll get you sorted out. And so I went, and um, he uh, uh, took great pains to put uh, an extra bit of DMT in there, and then it's very difficult to light it and get it to work right. It's kind of tricky because it, you don't want to burn it too much, and you have to do all this stuff. And you're also, so if you take uh, one hit and then two, the whole world starts to sort of collapse in this kaleidoscope. And then you have to, um, through instruction, I was like, 
he's, you know, the only thing I could hear was him saying, take another hit, you know, <laughs> and I had committed to this. So I did that. And then, and then yet another, a fourth one. And, um, uh, it was, you know, the same thing that, that many people report, t t tens, hundreds of thousands of people report on this stuff. I went through a sort of uh, sunflower made out of electricity and it hurt my face to go through this thing. And I woke up in a place. Uh, and in that place, uh, which I came to understand on a fundamental level, on a, uh, I was in the math and the love that runs underneath the floor it also goes up into your leg and up into the sky. The code of creation. It's in the matrix, man. And not only that, but there are things that live in there, which you could colloquially call an angel, who, um, for lack of a better term, flew up to my face and entered it and told me a hundred things at the same time, all true that you know on a deeply fundamental level, which is really hard to relay later to other people. Um, but I know it was more true to me than, than anything else I'd ever experienced, which is hard, you know, you gotta take it on faith, like, or, or try it yourself. Uh, <laughs> but um, some of the things it told me, um, um, this is where you go when you die. This is what it's like when you die. Um, you're really lucky to have a back of your skull to contain a brain in order to have memories and have experiences. And let me show you, my love, what it's like when you don't have that. And then I became one with this field. Infinite and eternal. Eternal. And at some point, and I, and I experienced it firsthand. And at some point it said, now would you like to go back to your body? Because isn't a body fun? The eternal warm math and love that's underneath the universe is also really wonderful. But we get to be there for billions of years after you die. And it showed me how, how fun and important it is to have a body for a short time. And I, um, I came back, I was in the void, uh, experiencing it and I took a, uh, an inhale and my lungs appeared first and then my skeleton and body appeared on top of the lungs and then I woke up. So, uh, I got to experience the ocean of math and love underneath the universe firsthand and then I became a set of lungs and then a skeleton around that and then a body around that, and I came to. Uh, and I guess I was, you know, under for eight minutes, 10 minutes. It's crazy. Um, and then all the while, there's all this Paisleys and kaleidoscopes going around, around the room. But the, um, the most important thing was this firsthand experience with this, I swear, other being. As much as you were over there and I'm over here, that thing was not me. And um, a higher version of you, maybe? Perhaps. I don't know. I don't know. But I, my. 
every sense that I had was that the information that it was imparting to me was absolutely true. It was sort of these psychedelic telepathic thumps into my chest. This is what the truth is. The truth, right. the truth, it's, the truth. It's trying to like just teach you what reality truly but is. But it would float away from me and be over there. You know what I mean? I knew I was in my head. I was, you have your wits about you when you're on DMT. But there's this unreal, utter, strange intimacy of someone uh, reaching over as another entity, uh, another being, well, another person. What's the chance person. of... Uh, your higher versions of yourself on different levels of vibration to yeah. communicate to you, your guides. Well, the great Sam Harris that proposes that every night you go to sleep and you dream about your grandmother or whoever, and like you create these people in your dream, and they seem like another person in your dream. So it is possible. Perhaps it is part of me. On a fundamental level, it is. But then there's also this utterly eerie idea that you're speaking to another uh, literally alien being mm -hmm. uh, outside of you. And so I, that was an incredible thing to experience and, and shake. So I would say um, a lot of my psychedelic use led up to that. And that was the exclamation point uh, in not only my spiritual life, but all, all of that. That's what, it's hard to top that. And then um, I went, I, I'm a, a huge proponent of MDMA, especially for your friends and your partners and, and loved ones that, if you have something to talk about, I don't think there's a, a, an easier uh, vehicle to authentically, especially cover difficult um, conversations. And it's also wonderful to dance on the dance floor and, and, mm -hmm. and do that. So, um, yeah, I feel like um, I will periodically use psychedelics for the rest of my life. But I also feel like I got a significant message and have... You know where you're at. Yeah, and I, anything I, else is a reminder. Uh, these days, I trip a lot less than you might think, uh, and it's under very special circumstances. Well, that's getting less young, I guess. You know, you you get yeah. what you. Well, you get learn. the message, and you hang up the phone, right. and like then you do it a few more times, but then you're like, well, I, you know, I get it. <laughs> it's reminders. Yeah. So you get a refresher, and like, oh, yeah. I know where I'm at. Yeah. In the case of what I do with ayahuasca, it's not only these reminders of like, oh, I know where I'm at, I know what's my direction, but also let's purge all this bullshit that doesn't, I don't have to keep on carrying this fucking extra crap yeah. with me. Yeah. But um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing so honestly about all your psychedelics experiences. That's, that's beautiful and so interesting. Um, my cameras are all dying by now, as you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I'm going to like say goodbye to our viewers soon. But would you like to say some final words to uh, the millions and millions of people who are watching our <laughs> show right now? <laughs> um, I'll quote uh, Voltaire if it's okay for you. Ooh la 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 la. <laughs> the most important decision you make is to be in a good mood. Be careful. Be nice. I love you. Thanks for watching. Yeah. Thanks for watching. Chris Dyer's Creative Friends. Please like, comment, share, subscribe. And, you know, I love you. <laughs> and all blessings to you. Until next time. Peace. <laughs>
in its meaning to me at the same time. Right. That's interesting. It's almost, as I said, it's like a code or a secret yeah. handshake yeah. that you got going. But it's, what's surprising is sometimes people do find those things. Oh yeah? Yeah, and I, would, I wouldn't, there's nothing like directly that says it, which is cool. Uh-huh. Do you feel like you're leaving like Easter eggs about yourself in your paintings? Kind of. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's fun. <laughs> so make sure to subscribe, like, and everything else. Big thanks and see you next week. Peace.